Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. If you haven't called your brother or your sister today, call them. Call your mom and dad. Call your grandparents. Hey, we're happy to have uh, Jake Bruner, honorable mention all-conference player from the number one team in the country, College Idaho. Jake played all four years for the Yotes, and he scored more than 500 points, pulled down over 500 rebounds. Jake was a key member of the Yotes this season. Uh, Many, uh, including myself, considered this College Idaho's best team ever. Uh, Jake is one of the toughest guys in the Cascade Conference. Jake, thanks for uh, being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Jake, you uh, grew up, you played, you grew up in Cottonwood, Idaho. You played uh, basketball at Prairie High School. You were Division A All-State. Talk about your high school experience. Uh, yeah, so I, Cottonwood's a small town, so I graduated with a class of about 30, I think it was. Played football, basketball, and baseball uh, in high school and was lucky enough to be a part of some good teams in high school. We won a state title in football, a state title in baseball, and then two in basketball. Um, And my dad was actually the coach of the basketball and the football team. So I kind of grew up around sports all my life. But, yeah, we was – it was funny because um, Ivory on our team actually played – in the same conference as I did too. So we had some good battles in high school. So you were a multi-sport athlete. What, what made you decide basketball was the, the game you wanted to play in college? Uh, I was looking at schools for football and basketball, had a few different schools talking to me and then ended up going on a visit to college of Idaho and kind of fell in love with the place. I'd known Colby Blaine, um, who was the assistant at the time uh, from Idaho select, which is an AAU program out of Boise and he was a coach there, and I had played there for four years. So I we had a little bit of a relationship. So then when I came down to the College of Idaho, I kind of fell in love with it, um, the program and what they were all about. And then uh, the school as well, just a great uh, school for what I, I wanted it to be pre-med, and they had a great reputation for that. So um, that was a big reason in me choosing College of Idaho as well. So you mentioned that when you were in high school, Ivory Miles Williams, who ended up eventually being your teammate at College of Idaho, he was in the same conference you were you were saying. So talk about some of those battles you had against him in high school. Yeah, so it's it's funny. We always ended up playing each other at least three times because uh, we were two of the better teams in our league. And so we'd play two times in the regular season, then we'd end up playing in the district championship usually. And then one year we actually ended up playing them four times. We played them in the state championship as well. So we've had some good battles, him and his brother who played there. We we got the better of them in the state title, though, that year. Did you remind him of that? <laughs> yeah, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, you were a year ahead of him, so you went to College Idaho, and then you found out that were you instrumental in, in uh, alerting the coaches to him? Did they already know about him? Uh, you know, talk about when you found out he was going to come there as well. Yeah, so I – they they didn't really use me in the recruiting process for him too much, um, but I think they knew about him because he also played Idaho Select um, for a couple years. Okay. But I was super excited when I found out he was coming because I just knew how good of a competitor he was, how tough he was, and so I was excited to have another small-town guy there at the college with me. And there's a couple of guys in uh, LC State. I know Jackson Hughes. Uh, you mentioned somebody else that plays over ja- – uh, that was in your conference or in your league there at LC state. Yeah. Travis Yenner. He, so he went to masters in California 
Oh, he was player of the year, wasn't he? His first. I, uh, no, I mean uh, his senior year in high oh. school, your senior year. Oh yeah, my senior. Yeah, he was my senior year. He was the player of the year in the state. So he went. He went to Masters, yeah. and then eventually transferred over to LC State, Lewis and Clark, Lewis Clark yeah, State. Yeah, he went to Masters. Yeah, and then he went to LC, and he's a really good player, uh, four man that can shoot the heck out of the ball. Then, but we played them. We played him and Jackson Hughes in state my junior year, and ended up beating them. So there was some pretty good talent in the small high school basketball in Idaho. Yeah, because uh, at that small division, so you mentioned Jackson Hughes. He went over to Corbin uh, and then uh, went to uh, L- Lewis, Lewis Clark State, LC State, uh, when the coaching change happened there. Uh, he's having a heck of a year at, at LC State as well. I think he was all league or I'm trying to remember now. But uh, yeah. And then yourself at College Idaho. So, yeah, uh, a lot of good talent came out of and a lot of good talent came out of that that division that year you, you talked about you know kind of what drew you to college of idaho I, i'm still curious what m- drew you to basketball versus football yeah so i just i it just seemed i was looking for the place that seemed like a better fit for me and the college of idaho had such a close-knit community and i actually went to go watch the game and it was amazing the community support that the college of idaho had and still has. I mean, our fans are some of the best in the state, Absolutely. Uh, some of the best in the country. And uh, so that really drew me in. And then just the team seems so close. And I think that's been a huge part of the College of Idaho's success is that um, the team chemistry has always been so close. And that's something I noticed when I was at the college. And then, of course, Coach G and uh, Colby Blaney, two amazing coaches, great guys. And so um, they're also a big part in me making the decision. You know, halfway, you, you mentioned Coach Garson. Halfway through your career there at College Idaho, Coach Garson got a job at Santa Clara. The same day, Colby Blaine was promoted to, to head coach. You know, talk about that transition. Uh, yeah, it was so, it happened pretty fast. It was like Coach Garson came in the locker room and told us that he was going to be leaving, and we were all super bummed. And then, but, like, that same day we found out that – I think it was the same day we found out that uh, Colby was going to be our new head coach. And so, um, while we were sad, we were also pretty excited that um, we were going to have our one of our guys still at the helm. And the transition really wasn't difficult at all because we – Blaine had been in the program, so he wasn't going to change anything too crazy. And so, we didn't, really didn't skip a beat, I don't think, as, you know, some coaching changes you might – the team might have a little have to take a little time to get used to the, the new coaching style, but uh, we really didn't skip a beat with Blaine's, and uh, we pretty much stuck with the same system. And a lot of you guys had experience with Colby Blaine through was it Idaho Select? Yeah, Idaho Select. So yeah, we have like a few guys from Idaho Select. I, I know me and Ivory played on the team, and then Justin Saunders, who was there, played on the team, and there's a few other guys on the team that played Idaho Select. So. Um, and we have a, most of our guys are from Idaho, so Blaine's been uh, connected to most of us. You mentioned the Idaho connection. Uh, that's something that I know at College Idaho they're really proud of. Also, uh, legacy-driven. T- tell me what what legacy-driven means to you. Uh, yeah, so basically um, it's kind of what Colby's been preaching the last couple of years, but 
what it means to me is that it's not everything's not just about X's and O's and winning games and about basketball. It's about impacting, making an impact on the lives of other people. And so that's something we've been really focused as on as a program, kind of interacting with the community and community service and that kind of thing. Can you give me an example of some of the things you've done within the community? Yeah, so last year we went to the VA and helped out there, and then some of us also went to the children's hospital down in Boise um, to hang out with some of the kids who had cancer and that kind of stuff. And um, we always go out every year to the Hope House and or have them come over, which the Hope House is a uh, it's a place for kids who've gone through failed or, or failed adoptions. Um, they have about, I don't know how many kids over there, but they bring about 20 over out to the college of Idaho every year. And we have just a basketball camp for them. Um, stuff like that. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. You should be very proud of that. You're, you yeah, go, it's, it's a, it's a fun time getting to hang with those kids. You go to college, Idaho. You had, I mean, an amazing four years. Uh, you should be really proud. You, so your freshman year, you. you get out to the tournament, uh, played it, I think it was the last one at Branson. You get to the round of 16, or you lose, you get to the round of 16 and you lose to the eventually na- eventual nas- national champion uh, Union. It was a very close game, one-point game. Uh, I know you remember this better than I do, but Zuba Zaretta had a, a potential game winner, just a, a short little 15-footer that rolled off at the buzzer. Uh, you played 20 minutes in that game. How much did that experience as a freshman kind of steal you up and get you ready for those next three years? Uh, I think it was a big confidence builder for me because I I, I felt like uh, the coaches trusted me enough to have me out there for 20 minutes as a freshman. And then also the, the players around me, uh, the seniors like Manny and Shuby and uh, Joey Nebaker, I felt like they all trusted me out there too, so... My role out there as a freshman was pretty much just rebound and defend, which it's kind of always been that. But So I didn't have too much pressure on me out there. But, um, yeah, I think it was a huge confidence builder just to know that the team trusted me and that uh, and I was able to play with the best talent in the country at the NAIA level, which was a union that year. The next two seasons, Jake, uh, you guys get to the, the Final Four, your sophomore and your junior season. Uh, losing to St. Francis your sophomore year and then Oregon Tech your junior year. How frustrating was it to stall at that level two years in a row? Yeah, it was It's it was pretty heartbreaking. Uh, the first year was a little different because, at least from my point of view, it was kind of like when we were in the Final Four, it was like, wow, I just can't believe this is happening. We're in the Final Four. like We're one of the top four teams in the NAIA right now. And we lost, and it was heartbreaking, but – the second year was even more heartbreaking because we're like, okay, we know we're supposed to be here. We've been here before, been in the Final Four. This is our chance to redeem ourselves from last year, and it didn't end up that way. But so it was, it was, it was pretty heartbreaking the second year. How so? How determined were you this year going into that tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think we were all very confident going in the, into the tournament this year, um, especially us returners. Like I said, the year before, we felt like we'd um belong there and this year even more we felt like we could do some big things in the tournament and that uh we felt like we were one of the best teams in the tournament and 
so we were we were very confident this year and knowing that we had been to two final fours we we talked it we weren't shying away from that conversation all year we we let it know from day let it be known from day one within the team that you know our goal was to get to the championship game this year and we we all thought it was a a, a goal that we could obtain but unfortunately the tournament ended and we weren't able to we were, weren't given the chance to get there this year but so you accomplished something in the Cascade Conference that never been done. Everybody said it couldn't be done. You went 20 and 0 and then you also won the Cascade Conference Championship. You went you you basically ran the table. How proud are you of that? Uh super super proud. It's just knowing all the great teams that I've played against in my four years in the Cascade Conference and the good teams that I've been a part of in my four years knowing that and then just knowing the history of the Cascade Conference, knowing all the great teams and players, and to know that we were the first team and only team so far that's been able to accomplish that feat is um, it's a pretty good feeling, and I think it's a big confidence booster for our, our team next year. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the virus can take away your opportunity to play for a national championship, but nobody can take away that perfect season in conference play. Nobody can ever take that from you. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's kind of one of the things we talked about as a team, um, just knowing that you know, we we weren't given a chance to uh, compete for a championship, but we did all we could this year. That should be enough for us. So, Jake, College of Idaho uh, is known as a defensive team. That's the trademark. Quite often holding teams to, to 50 points or less. What What is the key to the, to the College of Idaho defense? As far as, like, in general, I think our the big a big key to our defense being so successful is just us being able to make adjustments on the fly. We always Wayne always preaches how important adjustments are, and it's true. Like you know, we'll some, we'll play teams differently. Sometimes we'll take the corner away, the passing lane to the corner um, on our bumps if a team's really killing us from the corner, or we'll stay our wing will stay longer on bumps. Um, if teams are shooting between the bumps or we'll go to man, like for OIT, we played man every game this year. And so it's just little things like that. We'll go one, three, one every now and then. So just knowing that we have all that in the, in our back pocket is, I think is a huge key for us. So would you say the defensive success is X's and O's or a culture and determination? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I think our determination to, try to be the best defensive team in the country you know that's that's one of the things we uh strive for every year is to to be the best defense in the country um so we have a lot of pride in our defense and we kind of know ourselves as a defensive team and so um when that's your identity you take a lot of pride in it and you work harder for it uh so i think that's a big part of it and that part being our culture but then x's and o's like knowing how to adjust and having guys that um, know how to play the zone, know how to play the passing lanes. Like, Talon Pinkney gets a ton of deflections every game. He gets about five deflections, it feels like, in the zone. And so just to make it hard on teams, just guys like that who know how to play and know how to make adjustments uh, is also a big part. That's it. say it's about 50-50. So in the Cascade Conference, there's a – Multnomah University plays in the Cascade Conference. They have – probably the most unique offense in the NAI. They shoot early in the shot clock. They generally shoot a three. 
I'm trying to think how many threes they'll shoot in a night, but they can get really hot. And and especially Justin Martin, the last couple of years, when you, you guys being a defensive team, what, what was your defensive strategy against that? Uh, against Multnomah last year, we tried to do uh, a diamond and one against them. Um, and we tried to, um, we manned up Justin Martin and when we did that at Multnomah, they actually, it was a very close game and we barely pulled that one out. But so this year we decided to go, just go two, three and how we game plan for it was we knew they were going to shoot deep. So we had to take a few more steps out outside of the three point line on, on certain players like Justin Martin. And then we also knew that they would shoot in between our bumps. So they were one of the teams where the, the top guard would bump our wings down. And so our wings would stay longer and make sure not to leave early because we knew that they would shoot there. And we just, our big thing was contest every shot and make it, make it as hard as possible. Yeah. For people outside the cascade conference, Justin Martin would score. I don't know what his average was, but it wasn't unusual for him to score over 40 and he scored over 70 twice (laughs) Uh, and he would shoot yeah. a lot of times from I call it the the volleyball line, you know that. And he would shoot over yeah. you too. And he, uh, if he was off, he was off. He would, you know, he wouldn't hit. But if he was on, he would he would shoot over you. And I think he lit up Northwest Christian. I think it was this year. Last year it was Warner Pacific. Uh, I was at that Warner yeah. Pacific game when he scored. I think he scored seventy one or seventy three or something. I was sitting next to a friend of mine, uh, CT, who does a show with me sometimes. And I, I said, I just keep letting him shoot those because he was shooting from, I mean, you know, 10 feet across half court and he just kept making them and yeah. he just kept making them. And they ended up beating uh, uh, Warner Pacific in overtime. Uh, anyway, when he when he would hit, it was it was pretty amazing. But yeah, I was just yeah, curious. He's, he's insane. You, you expect him to miss eventually. But when he gets hot, it's. He, he's he's one of the harder players to stop in the conference, I would say. <laughs> yeah, and and it was uh, I, it was kind of a digital thing, right? He was either on or or he'd struggle, and uh, and once once he got going, though, he was hard to stop. Jake, what yeah, for sure? What are what are one or two of the most exciting games you've played? You played in the Cascade Conference in your career? Uh, games within the conference? Yeah, or just what are some of the most exciting games you were part of? Well. Outside the conference, our our rivalry with the Northwest Nazarene University NNU, which is right there in Nampa, those are always we play them twice a year, and those are always fun games. They're a NCAA Division two team. Yes. Um, those the crowds for those ones are always insane. And then also, I think our cornerstone game last year that went into overtime was crazy. Vander or what was the guy? Sam Vanderslice. Big guy's name. Yeah, Sam Vanderslice. He might have no. Was it Vanderslice? Yeah, he he had like forty on us that night, and we ended up somehow pulling the getting the win in overtime against them. But and then my sophomore year, we played Dakota Wesleyan and Roosevelt Adams, who was a senior that year, hit a crazy shot for us to win. We were down big with like four minutes to go and somehow came back so those were two exciting games but within the conference i think the southern game this year was crazy <laughs> yeah. at home which we somehow pulled off we had no business winning that game and somehow did it our games against oit are always fun uh just because of the when the great respect between the both teams and then 
just how much talent they have. Those where, are always fun ones. But. Where's your favorite place to play in the Cascade Conference? Not My and not Caldwell. Place to play. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a tough one. I I mean OIT is always fun, um, just because OIT and Southern are both always fun because the um, they've always been really competitive. But that drive is the worst drive in our conference <laughs> yeah. for us, anyways. The worst yeah, road trip. That's a bad trip. Yeah, uh, Northwest is a tough place to play. Yeah, I thought I, would, I was I would one, like uh, playing at Corbin. I, oh, why? Why Corbin? That's interesting. That's a big open I, I just, gym. I just like, I just liked their gym. I don't know. I always, I always ended up shooting better at their gym too. But uh, so that might be just be a little biased. Okay, that's yeah. it. I've uh, that's uh, yeah. That it seems like a fairly generic gym. Uh, a lot of people when I ask them, they bring up Northwest. You know, North Northwest is that everybody talks about the tight confines. It's loud. Uh, they always get a good crowd in there. Yeah. I've never seen it not. I've never seen it not packed. Now that might mean two hundred and fifty people, but it's it's <laughs> yeah. really loud in it's there. It's still loud. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, hey, what about your games at Eastern? I mean, they they give you quite the rousing over there, don't they? Yeah, their 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 crowds are usually pretty good over there, and that that gym it's it's not huge, but it's it's a pretty nice gym. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a fun place to play. So you mentioned you know the the long bus rides. Do you think it it hurt or help your team to be on that bus all those hours? I don't think it I don't think it hurt us at all. Uh, I it's you get pretty tired of them after a while. Like my junior year, I was sick of making the road trip over to Klamath Falls or going all the way up to Seattle. But by my senior year, I was, it was kind of like, Oh wow, this is my last road trip here. You know, um, I think it actually helps you or helps us. I helped our team, I think, because just the, the camaraderie you can build on those long bus trips and just being able to, it's so easy to get to know guys in there because you're just, you're stuck together. Um, so I think that's one of the best places to build the team's camaraderie. And I think it, it ended up helping our team chemistry uh, every year. But it's definitely, you guys definitely have long bus rides. There's no doubt about that. Hey, yeah. who is the tough, you were, you were, you mentioned you're a rebounder and defender. Who is the toughest guy in a conference for you to go up against and guard? Uh, that's a tough question for a couple of reasons, because there's a, we are in a really good conference, and also <laughs> we play zone most of the time, so yeah, it's usually you know you don't feel like I mean it's, it's a matchup zone, so there's you are kind of in man, but I would say it was always more difficult for me when I got onto quicker guards because I wasn't the I'm not the quickest guy out there on the court, but like whenever I got switched onto guys like Justin Martin or Mitch Fink, it was always uh, a little more difficult. Um, but inside, I think uh, Huss Ford for Northwest oh, was yeah, he's a very load. difficult to guard. Yeah, yeah, he is. And usually, you know, you get him to miss once, but he somehow comes up with his own rebound and <laughs> puts it back in. So, yeah, he was he was pretty difficult. To he's guard incredibly there. fast on. I call it the second hop. You know, when he he'll go up, he'll shoot. Yeah, like you say, yeah, he's yeah. up in the. He just is back up in the air almost instantaneously. I asked Tate, Tate Hoffman this same question. You played him. Does Hussein Ford ever get tired? <laughs> I don't know. They were, I mean, it doesn't seem like it. It's, he plays most of the game, and then especially at the end of the year when they had like 
six or seven guys on the roster um, yeah. playing. He 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 would never go out, and so yeah, you you wonder that, and <laughs> he just he has a high motor. And, yeah, well, what always uh, amazed me not only did he playing hard, not only did he play long minutes, but he was playing at a you know at a high pace. He just seemed to never slow down. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he gets tired. <laughs> yeah, he was. I saw him so many times miss. You mentioned one or two shots, and and he just would keep getting his own rebound until he. It was amazing. He wasn't. He was big. He's big, but he's not. You know, a giant. He's just quick. Yeah, and I I think it's that that uh, high motor that he has that makes him very difficult to guard. Like you said, he just gets his own rebound, and then as you uh, contest that shot and turn around to get the rebound, he's already got the rebound and going back up with it. So, You guys went out to the tournament this year very confident, as you should have been. You're ranked number one in the nation, number one seed, and you played Northwestern, a good team. You know, I know they were number eight, but they were a very, very good yeah. team. You struggled a little bit offensively, but you held them to 50 points. Talk about that game. Yeah, they uh, they were a good team. They, uh, they had a crowd, too, which actually sometimes can make those games better because – Sometimes you get, the atmosphere is not that good when you're at the national tournament just because um, fans don't travel that well. But they had a great fan base there, so the atmosphere was great. Um, but they were uh, they had some good stuff against us that they were running um, at the beginning and getting good looks from three. But we just, like I said, we make we make adjustments all the time. So we just made adjustments to what they were doing and um, ended up slowing them down as that that first half started to wind down and then second half uh, kind of kept them in check. They're they, a good team though. Did like they you surprise you at all? Uh, I don't think they surprised us. I think we knew that they had however long to a week or two to prepare for our zone. And we knew they were going to come out with something that, you know, what at least they thought would get them a good look. And they actually, they did end up having stuff that got them good look. So I don't think it surprised us, you know, they were AC, like you said, but every team at the national tournament, but it's team, uh, there's no more, there's no bad teams in the national tournament. And that's something that uh, we reminded the new guys, you know, like these, these guys are going to give us a fight because they made it to the national tournament for a reason. Absolutely. So you won that game, you got into the sweet 16 and then, uh, you know, talk about the moment you found out no more basketball. Yeah, it was, we were, it was Thursday. And so that was our, our day off. It was our day off after the day we played, and we were we were headed to lunch, and we were after lunch we were gonna go and watch film on IU Kokomo, and um, and then go to a practice right after that and prepare for them. Um, and so we were in the vans on the way to lunch, and uh, our assistant coach Shelby's in the back of our van, and he says to Colby Blaine, he says, Blaine, did you did you see that? And then Blaine turns down the music, and he's like, Yeah, and tells us all that the tournament was canceled and they found out on Twitter I think it was which is kind of crazy to me but it just didn't it didn't sink in I don't think for a while and uh we were kind of there's kind of a feeling in the van like oh well they say that but I don't think it's actually canceled like they'll they'll start it back up again and we'll be fine but then like as the hours went on and there was no more information we were just at lunch it was kind of an eerie feeling and <laughs> It was it was it's weird to to play your last game and 
not know it was your last game, I think, was the, the weirdest part until the, you know, the day after you played it. Yeah. Has it sunk in? Um, I, it's, it's sunk in, I think, now. But I think it's definitely harder when you don't, you don't get that closure of, you know, usually when you're last game, like I said, you know it's your last game, whether it's at the end of the game and you're losing or, you know, you've won the championship. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was a weird feeling knowing that uh, my last game playing competitive basketball, um, I played it and didn't know it until the day later. But, um, yeah, it's kind of started to sink in now, and um, I've just been able to reminisce on kind of the good memories of this season. So, Jake, what's after College of Idaho? What uh, Are you set to graduate? Tell us what you majored in. Tell us what your plans are. Yeah, so I'll, I'll graduate this year, and uh, I majored in biomedical sciences. Um, so I was pre-med. And so I'll take a year off, and I'll shadow some doctors. Um, hopefully soon, hopefully this uh, virus will clear up so I can shadow, shadow some more doctors, and um, I'll apply for medical school this summer and uh, hopefully get into medical school and then uh, start that next journey of my life. Is that a, is that the typical process to uh, finish your four-year and then shadow? And is... uh, It's it's more a lot of people will take a year off and between their undergrad year and medical school, but it, it just varies. Um, but yeah, a lot of people will take that year off and uh, kind of strengthen their resume and apply that oh okay summer okay well certainly wish you the best of luck with that i teased you a little bit before we came on but i understand that you're a fairly sharp guy i'm I'm sure you'll be you'll be just fine you had a great career at college (laughs) idaho you know you should be very proud of that i enjoyed watching you i want to thank you for for coming on and uh sharing your story yeah thank you thanks for having me it's uh good talking to you